I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's at Ryan Peacock NFL. What's going on? There is. So I am feeling a bit lethargic, I won't lie. Because I decided there was no food in the cupboards. It was payday. So I had a Chinese nice you know what that's like when you're having Chinese you go only really need a main a rice maybe a little starter mm. but then you end up ordering it then you've ordered enough for 10 people and then you think do you know what's probably missing from this Chinese an Indian so then you get an Indian and then you think <laughs> oh, you know what we're we going to have for dessert so you think oh I don't know what will probably go good with that I don't know a couple of slices of pizza so you have to ring dominoes and it just it's endless it doesn't stop so that has never happened to me Ever? No. All right. I, just either. I have heard stories where people are like, you know, where they put like any notes or comments for the delivery man. You're like, yeah, can you pick up milk on the way? And he actually <laughs> yeah. picks up milk. And one of them was to the Domino's guy, like, oh, I'm hung over in bed. Can you just throw it up into the first floor window? And they've done it, <laughs> which is just nuts. Wow. But Legendary. Yeah. See, that, that's how you earn a tip, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That but is then, how you earn a tip. You know, if a stu- if I work for Domino's and the student said blah blah blah, I'd be like, I'm not going to tip off this guy. He can't even get out of bed. I'm not getting these two pound coin being thrown down through the window at me. No. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so you've Take had you you've had your cheeky Chinese. Um, I've been craving a bit of a Chinese, but it's Ryan, my house, madhouse, absolute well, since the baby's been born. Jesus, baby's sick and poo everywhere, isn't it? Um, it's not that bad like the, the newborns sleep a lot but it just means that I'm the primary custodian caregiver I have to keep my toddler alive um, you know because of two weeks paternity leave so I took it off so I'm his main dude which means that night times where I used to get away lightly because Joan used to get up and uh, tend to him it was kind of the deal we had if I'm getting it and working she's minding the, minding the kid so yeah I'm up with him and so we had that game uh, Bengals game exhilarating very hard to sleep after that heart attack pack all Jesus. the rest yeah, right. exhilarating is not the word, right? Yeah, and we're going to get on to that later. And I know that you, we were both roaming around UK Packers HQ not knowing what to do to ourselves in their gym jams. And after that, so I was like, great, I'm going to get a bit of should I? And then the, the baby baby uh, woke up, mm-hmm. baby, baby number two. Um, so he woke up, gave it large, and then he went down. I was like, well, I'll get a bit of kip. Then the toddler went off. So then I had to go into him and then put him down and then went back to bed. Then the baby got set off again. And then the baby set off the toddler and then it was just... It was like ambulances uh, was running constantly through my house. So I honestly got, and I know people said, this, I got like an hour sleep last night. Oh, when did you go to bed? 10. When did you wake up? About 9. And you're like, all right, you know, you got 11 hours sleep. Calm down. Honestly got about an hour sleep. But I think I still have some adrenaline in my system from that Bengals game. My God, man, what happened? It was unbelievable. I was sat there half time thinking... Well, I don't really know. I'm not going to share what I was thinking, but it was negative. I won't lie. Um, and obviously, we try and be positive all the time, but it was a bit negative. I didn't know where it was coming from. Um, to win it, how we did in the end, obviously, massive excitement, especially in overtime with it with a play to Allison. Um, but can we please just get back to? Do Do you remember when we used to beat people? And we used to do it quite convincingly, mm. and it was quite nice to just sit back and enjoy winning. Um, I'd quite like a few of those games back. Yeah, like we even spoke about it. It's always that false sense of security. It's what happens to the Jaguars um, every year that they draft, you know, a couple of players, a couple of young players are like, they're the newest, hottest, youngest, freshest, deadliest team in the whole league. And then they just nosedive. So it's the same with the Packers, isn't it? Like lately where we had deficiencies on defense we get king we get the von house back you know we're we're drafting all kinds of free agents we're like oh we've definitely upgraded this is the year he's going for it. i don't think that's ted thompson i think that's elliot wolf he's seeming more aggressive and then we kind of end up where we were before there was times where you know we used to run out matt flynn and he'd finish the game you know aaron Rodgers would come in and do 75 percent of the game and then clock out and go sit on the sideline having <laughs> some gatorade you know and then Matty flynn would come in and just trounce or at least keep keep it simmering. I I really did expect to see more Brett Hundley this season, but with yeah. the injuries, it just hasn't 
hasn't happened. And, and as well, and this is what I point, and I want to raise this straight off the bat because this is a comment that we got in and called BS on it. I think we've raised it before. The Packers have got a dumper lot of injuries and someone said, we get way more injuries than anybody else. Is it time that we start questioning the strength and conditioning coaches? Like, is that a valid point at this stage? The Right, so this one I always wonder about because can you put it on the strength and conditioning coaches? Is it Does it not just come down to luck? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I know obviously in the modern in the modern sporting world in general. So even even past American football to every other sport going, with sort of the increased awareness in sports science and all the rest, there is far more you can do to prevent injuries. Um, but as said before, this is this is a crazy, violent game, mm. and so I feel like it just kind of comes down to luck and. I don't know what you can really put on the training staff and the medical staff at the Green Bay Packers. And I know we get tweets every week about it, don't we? Yeah. But really, I think it's just, it is just bad luck. And that's all it is. I think the problem with it is, and where other t- other franchises maybe deal better with it, is maybe other franchises have, I would say, a better quality in depth. And I feel that that's why it feels like we have a worse time of it because we're more exposed in many of the positions when we get past those starters. Yeah, and a lot there's a lot of things working against teams as well. The main one, I think, is the CBA, so that collective bargaining agreement where you can only have so many pad of practice. Um, do you know what? It's it's kind of it's a catch twenty two sometimes. It's like <laughs> this is gonna sound dumb, but it's like being a teenager and having a girlfriend. Right, hear me out. Is Never where, happened. you know, you you feel that sort of, you know, where you fall in love for the first time or you get besotted with some young one, right? Some young one or some young one gets besotted with some young fella. And you really desperately want to keep that person. So you get super jealous and, and, and weird. And then that ends up kind of just, you know, it's immature. But it just descends into this, like, just get the hell away from me and leave me alone because you're possessive. So yeah. you try so bit hard like, to keep... like when I see you talking to other guys. Yep. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, yeah. Exactly the same. So that got strange. So it, it's it's the same. <laughs> yeah, people have a really weird opinion of us. Um, so you know, the fact that I've just anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's it's the same sort of thing as that. Which are so we look at the preseason and we see the defense playing an awful lot because they want to protect their O line and their and their QBs and their main wide receivers because you know it seems counterintuitive that defense wins championships, but then they put their defense all out there to to get the tackling in because they can't do that in practice. Yet you try to stop your O-line from getting injured and that's exactly what happens when you start playing regular season because they don't have that pad of practice, you can't touch the quarterback and then everyone gets smashed to bits then when you start playing uh, the games. Like, whatever happened to the old slobber knockers of the past where in practice you could beat the shit out of each other and that way you could, you could you know, take a few knocks, take a few bruises but get into the feel of that kind of knocking people around. Like, Ryan, when you played full contact... In your practices, was it balls to the wall, all out tackling, or was it something similar that no, don't really put your hands on a guy? Um, no, I think the only person you ever protected was your quarterback, and I think I remember my very first training session. Now we are going back some years, and we didn't really have, in case anyone's listening, all respect to the coaches, but I would say even they would probably admit they weren't uh experienced coaches and so mm. some of our practices actually i remember at least two or three practices where now with more knowledge i suffered concussions in practice because of how hard people were going in practice my very first practice i got there i remember walking sideways after getting hit um i was playing at linebacker and that was a, a, a tight end or somebody just just hit me blindside so i think it's a very different thing to sort of obviously what what i experienced there playing in the british game um, sort of maybe back before there was a bit more awareness of the types of injuries and so on um, but I kind of I get what you're saying there, there's certainly there was always a feeling like you had to especially when you return back to training in pre-season okay and those first few practices you'd, you'd hurt so much more after practice after getting hit and then after a few weeks you kind of learnt how to get hit again body toughened up again and it wasn't so bad and we kind of always used to say to new players you're going to hurt a lot, but you kind of got a, your body's got to learn to be hit, and it's a bit like a boxer as well. You know how they train their neck muscles to get hit. Yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. If you take these players out of things to protect them from injuries, is their body 
completely prepared for the battle they're about to go into. So I totally understand that. But of course, you can also, and I know, I know you, you you recognize it as well. Obviously, on the flip side of that, you know, if if you don't keep them out, then there's a chance you lose everybody in preseason anyway. So it is a real, real tough one. I totally get where you come from, and I think it's probably missed sometimes. So I think it's a really good point to make. I think it's probably missed sometimes that certain bodies are just not ready for the physical aspect because we're almost trying to protect people too much. Yeah, and that did pay play a, a massive part in these games especially on defense which everyone sort of slated it yeah. was only like it was that first drive by the Bengals where people were like really it's 1939 and I, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast the Bengals seemed that we're facing it was 1939 since a team had started off the season with two games at home and hadn't scored a touchdown so to see them march down the field and get that touchdown on their first possession I believe it was the first possession, right? Four minutes uh, long or whatever. They kept the, the Packers' offense off the field. And yep. it was on a third down uh, to AJ Green. Uh, third and eight, I believe. And he fired it in there. Now, I mm-hmm. think of a heck of a throw. Um, but if you look at the, the players that we were missing on the Packers' defense, um, inside linebacker Jake Ryan, uh, Mike Daniels was missing, Devon House at cornerback, Kentrell Bryce at safety. Now, he's the guy who's put in as like, and Kentrell Bryce. But he's important because they used him in that Nitro package. They had to move Burnett around. And that's why Josh Jones had such a big game, arguably, because he moved into that sort of linebacker role um, that Morgan Burnett had. And Morgan Burnett moved into the slot. And Nick Perry's out with that hand injury. So here's a Bengals team, 0-2 and two, coming in. Uh, worst record since 1939 with those without a touchdown like Andy Dalton looked like he forgot how to quarterback uh, the same way as Homer or I think it was Peter Griffin one of those cartoon characters forgot how to sit down once it seemed the same uh, <laughs> Ken Sampisi uh, at offensive coordinator was fired but I had to laugh as well because the commentary on the game was oh here we go now we're seeing some play from the new offensive coordinator I'm kind of thinking that's not a good thing like don't go on like oh you know, they're really making progress now with this new guy at the helm not really like that's not a positive thing when you have to put in a new offensive coordinator he's like obviously going to be using the same playbook so i fail to see how firing poor ken sampisi is, yeah. is going to do any good but but ryan like that that's what the frustration is coming from right that this Bengals seemed hopeless and hapless the same as the coasted last season and what do we do give them a touchdown straight away come on yeah, I think probably there's a little bit of something in the fact there was a new coordinator in the fact that it, I don't want to say it was a simplified offense that he might have had to use because obviously, he, you know, there would have been a lot of, you know, the same play, but whatever. But he might have just gone, do you know what? The problem was we tried to do this in the offseason. The team haven't taken to it. Let's go back to what we know, back to the basics. And so that's maybe where it came together. But I think... In terms of, yeah, they got a score early. Our, our team was just, again, decimated by injury. Now, it's, it's an easy excuse to make. Um, but it's also the facts are right there in front of us. That, that is a big deal when you look at some of the players that were missing. And then even some of those players who did start, especially if you look at the O-line, yeah. Jari Evans um, did suffer a little bit. He did practice through the week, but he had, he had an issue with a groin strain. Yeah. Belaga obviously came in limited practice Thursday and Friday before the game came in with an ankle injury and he had to spend some time off the field and, and come back in, you know? So there was even players that played were not a hundred percent. They're struggling, Ryan. Uh, Kyle Murphy is struggling big time. You know, he's great on pro football focus is which everyone knows now listen to podcast is a big favorite of mine. 36.8 overall grade. Um, yeah, you know, but, but there's there's the kind of a big for me there's a big sort of asterisk near that though, and there's a, there's a lot behind that. So he comes in, you know, he, he's probably not ready to be playing yet, but the situation has forced him in there, you know. Um, then he's sort of moved about and he's asked to play in, in positions he's maybe not used to, and then he gets moved and, you know, there was a hell of a lot going against him. And this was a very very good pass rush as well from the Bengals. Just remember, you know, that they're, they're, they're a useful team when it comes to Russia, and and they proved that. You know, so I don't know. It's 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 hard, and I hope they don't get too uh, discouraged by it. I hope they don't get too down about it. I'm sure the coaching staff and the players around them won't let that happen. Mm. Um, it'll certainly be one hell of a learning curve for them, and and I'm sure when they sit and watch video this week, they're going to learn a hell of a lot from it. Yeah. Uh, but I think certainly you've, there's got to be a big asterisk by their names. Yeah, because we did get 
mentioned a good bit on Twitter, didn't we, when we said on the last podcast that the offensive line, I think the quote you used was, uh, did okay. I think I did, don't think you were too complimentary of it. I think you just said did okay. Uh, yeah. We got a couple of tweets of people saying, oh, did okay. It's worse than oh, it's worse than okay. Jesus, it was bad. Mm-hmm. But we sort of like what you're saying. There's an asterisk beside that because people are being played out of position. But um, so not to start off on a bummer kind of, big, uh, but I do uh, I do <laughs> want to end this sort of um, post review strong on some fantastic performances. There's plenty of positives to be found, oh, isn't it? You're quite right. Massively. Um, but. I'm going to say this comment and I'm more doing it because it's like when people mention the whole Kaepernick thing around me and sets me off about him being blackballed. I'm going to say this to you and see how you feel about it. Um, tight end depth chart, Kendricks, yep. Rogers, and then Martellus Bennett, true or false? Absolutely. The way it's going at the moment, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I don't know what it is at the minute. I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Whether when when Martellus Bennett comes out, he's got a reputation about him and there's more focus on him than the other two, maybe that's something, you know. Maybe they see him as more as a threat than the other two. Um, but at, at times, actually, when, when you slow it down, and it's always real difficult, and you shouldn't judge anything on a slow-motion replay, um, unless, of course, uh, we're reviewing whether it was a Packers touchdown, and, of course, it was, and then replay all you like. But <laughs> Don't, don't judge too much on replays because it can give a bit of a false interpretation of what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, something that looks like a bang-bang play uh, on the field live on slow-mo replay looks like they had all the time in the world. But the point I'm getting to in a very long route is um, like a, a lot of the passes that he's dropped have gone into his hands. And there has been contact coming, but this is the NFL. And if you're running routes over the middle, there's always going to be contact coming. Um, something's not clicking at the minute with Rodgers and Bennett. And I don't know what it is. And and Bennett at some point this year will explode and will come good. Um, You know, people already I see on Twitter saying, you know, maybe we should have kept Cook around and not looked at Bennett. Don't be too quick to write him off. He's still a Super Bowl winner. Um, He's still one hell of a player. And he's going to be good. Something's going to happen. It will click. It will get there. Remember, back in preseason, Bennett was the one wanting Rodgers in the game more, wasn't he? Because he wanted to get more game time with Rodgers. And that didn't really happen. Rogers was maybe playing a drive in a couple of the games, and that was about it. So this is a new player to the team. Some I know people are saying that yeah, so's Kendricks. I get it, I get it. But I'm just saying I think on I think opposition defenses are probably giving more attention to Bennett than they are to the likes of Kendricks and to to Richard Rogers. And, and let them keep doing that because when those players are on the field, they are going to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's the whole point of these two tight end sets is that you have the two tight ends in for a reason. If Martellus Bennett could do it all on his own, you'd only have him in. So Kendricks is is certainly benefiting from that. But it's to do with a measurable standpoint as well. I mean, you're always going to cover the guy who you see physically as probably the biggest threat. Uh, Martellus Bennett, as we saw live on the sideline when we went to Lambeau, he is the biggest boy in the playground. And just by looking at him, and Kevin King had that effect as well on the Packers' D. Now... I hear people saying that he had a great game, but he, in all honesty, by his grade, he had an absolute shocker of a game. Um, but there was a comment on one of the websites, one of the Packers blog websites, that said, because uh, you know we eat them up, nom, 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 uh, that said, oh, Kevin King had a good game. And I was like, no, he didn't. And then it said, oh, and there was a few throws that Dalton was going to make, but just simply by King's height differential made him look away because he's like, I could probably squeeze that in there, but I'm not going to. And for a quarterback who's low in his confidence, like Dalton, you know, was coming into this game with the shockers that he was having in the first two weeks, you know, even his height differential was enough, the same as Bennett, to give that thing, you know, maybe a second thought. So let's talk about the defense then. There was a, you know, big positive points. Kevin King wasn't the one for me. Pro Football Focus having down as 29.3 is a grade. Um, AJ Green caught 10 of the 13 balls thrown his way. Mm-hmm. And Kevin King was on four of those, and he gave up 59 yards. Yeah, he's so, a top five receiver there. So let's exactly. not be too harsh on King. Yeah, and like you said before, like that simplified playbook from the Bengals, that's exactly what happened. You better believe that the offensive coordinator hung his hat on the fact of, um, you, look, if you're a betting man and you really need to keep your job, if I was in there, I'd say, I don't care what you do, where you go, you just keep throwing the ball to AJ Green. It's as simple as that. That's how I'm going to keep my job here uh, for the foreseeable future. So that's exactly what they did, and he got punished. So, yes. Ryan, what, what, you know, is there was there a massive negative for you? You know, Would you subscribe to that fire caper sort of attitude that we see bantied around on Twitter? 
we did put out a tweet that said give us the emoji that best describes this game and it was the crap emoji that came in like are yeah. the defense really that bad no didn't think so uh, I still maintain this as defense finding its feet, finding out what's good and how it's going to play. And again, last night, people came into the game, started in one position, moved to another one, swapped a system, did something else. You know, I I don't subscribe to the fire capers. Now, some people at home probably just throwing their phone on the floor or whatever you're listening to on. But the reason I don't is because we're not going to fire capers. So let's stop wasting our energy on it every week saying it. Yeah. Just get behind the guy. And I think at the end of his contract, everything figures itself out. But nobody's firing him. So there's no point in every week people saying, oh, fire keepers. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. So it's not going to happen. So we might as well stop going on about it. Um, the D had some really good points. I thought Josh Jones last night came into his own and showed showed everybody what a player he's going to be on this team. And I keep saying it, and I know I love to overreact quickly with the Packers, but... And Morgan Burnett and Clinton Dix won't thank me for saying this, but I kind of still want that Nick Collins presence to come back and maybe Josh Jones can be that type of player for me. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm really excited about him. I thought he did really well. I thought as well Martinez uh, had a really, really good game. I liked him. He seemed to be involved in everything. Ahmed Brooks came in. People questioned him what he had left in the tank. Well, he got a sack. He made tackles. He seemed involved. Um you know, so he he's definitely got something to offer. You got to remember as well, like for, for a lot of time last night, you got the other new guy, Dial or Dial or however you want to pronounce his name. Um, he's he's come in. You know, there are they're still figuring it out on this defense. You know, Jean Francois was on the team week one, off the t- off the team week two, back on week three. Oh, I don't know what's going on with that yo yo. Hopefully he's not back off the team again this week. He's back as well. We're still trying to work it out, and you know, losing Mike Daniels up front. You lose the pressure up front. We we always say this. You lose the pressure up front, it puts extra pressure on the secondary. There's a lot going on in that defence. They're starting to put the pieces together. They've certainly got the players there. They need to bring it together as a team and get that bit figured out. If we can do that, this defence can still be, and as shown in week one, and as shown at times yesterday, especially in that overtime drive when they had to be, this defence can still be a lights-out defence. Yeah, I agree. Because we said it before, and... I love the way when people see the evidence of something play out in front of their eyes, they ignore the logic of it and still go and fire capers. So let's have a look at the defense then and look at the people that were missing. And it's literally one from every personnel group. So inside linebacker, Jake Ryan, injured. Outside linebacker, Nick Perry, injured. Uh, Mike Daniels on the line, injured. Cornerback, Devon House, which is seen as a CB1, injured. And then Kentrell Bryce, who's the safety, who can fold people in half, injured. So you've literally, like, you know, picked one player. Arguably, Kentrell Bryce wouldn't be, well, not arguably, definitely isn't uh, the top player at safety because you're going to have Morgan Burnett, uh, Clinton Dixon there, and arguably now Josh Jones. So you've picked one personnel from, one person from each personnel grouping and said, right, you're not playing. And then, you know, had the defense tried to stack up against that. This was a game in the defense for me. And this is something that the Packers are always criticised for, is not um, not altering their game plan, or when they do alter it, they do it in a very a backward way. So the offence clock up a score, and then all of a sudden the arse falls out of the defence, and then we give the game away. You know, that's the criticism that's been that we've go too conservative on offence, and that puts the pressure on the D, and then the D fal- falters. This was a game of two halves where the defence adjusted. So, like, all of the points that the Bengals put up were in the first half, except a field goal, in the second half so the defense only gave up three points in the second half and what i always gauge a defense on ryan is third down conversion percentage mm-hmm. now not to get too deep into the stats and be like oh 75 percent blah 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 it, it's as simple as this the packers stopped all five third down plays after half time uh josh jones was instrumental in the one in overtime um where he he got the stop on third down and he also got the loss on Mixum um, in the backfield as well I believe if memory serves me right so you know at, in the early part of the game then Cincinnati were converting f- I think it was four out of their five third downs according to Rob Tomofsky, Um and one of those was the touchdown to a- AJ Green I think it was a third and eight and then the next seven third down plays uh, were not converted and in fact the Bengals lost 14 yards again coming from Rob Domofsky on ESPN so 
it's that aggressiveness on third down which is something that the Packers lacked like remember last season when we came up against the Falcons it seemed like all they had to do was is go you know first and out second out and then go right third down right they're going to convert it now for a 17 18 yard gain it's like yeah. all they had to do was get to that third down and they convert it and it was so frustrating and as you mentioned Josh Jones MVP of the game defensive Ooh. MVP like this is a guy second round pick from uh, NC State the first time he's actually started a game in the NFL he was always brought on you know during the games instead of actually starting this is the first time he started because Kentrell Bryce was out injured uh, Morgan Burnett was moved into that kind of slot and then we had Josh Jones playing that sort of hybrid linebacker role now amazing about this is that his speed which Andy Davies had told us before was dynamite he'd actually outran Kevin King uh, in the combine this guy's super fast and that's why they wanted to bring King and Josh Jones in and it was kind of a rain of fire for these King didn't stand up to it but as you said up against AJ Green Josh Jones got two sacks in this game it's his first two sacks of his NFL career and when he was in college his entire season his highest sack total was two sacks so he's done in that one game what he managed to do in his entire collegiate career which let's face it is going to be less intense and fierce in the NFL he led the Green Bay defense in pretty much every stat out there so he had his two sacks uh, he had three uh, tackles for a loss, one of them coming in the overtime, which was, again, if you're talking about your clutch periods here, uh, which, you know, we're going to get into Aaron Rodgers a little bit later. If you want your sort of clutch player to come in and show how valuable he is, he does it when it counts. And that's he did it when it counts. He made 12 tackles and had two quarterback hurries. Right. Is this just a freak game for Josh Jones or are we seeing the emergence of a player here? who really will sort of, you know, spur on to become something special in Green Bay? Or is it just honestly too early to be spouting that type of stuff? Well, again, as I just said, you know, I love an overreaction. And I think <laughs> um, this time, though, I think it's warranted. I think you've really got a player here that can do something. Mm. Um, and it is going to be really exciting to see him do it. And and certainly, again, kind of proves, you mentioned him just there, Andy Davis's knowledge of, of college players coming out of the draft because he called this one and he said he was going to be special and he's certainly proven him right at the moment and and also just just a quick note on kevin king like mistakes are going to happen I, I still say i think the secondary is the hardest position to play in football um it's certainly the one i can't play because i'm not quick enough and i turn like uh, the qe2 <laughs> but um you know it's it's incredibly difficult position and of course as well they're coming up against top quality athletes and not only that, they are the last line of defence. Hmm. And yeah. if it goes wrong, it gets highlighted. If it goes wrong up front, it doesn't always get highlighted. So you are going to see things happen from week to week. Don't get too down on them. Let's, let's stay behind them and support them because these, these young guys can be special. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of young guys and someone that shocked me last season by being given the defensive comms helmet, Blake Martinez or Martinez, whichever way you, uh, you want to pronounce it, like we've really seen him make that step up right he he was graded one of the best on pro football focus again 82.5 overall grade he made seven defensive stops but i feel his most important thing is the way he organizes the defense especially for being such a young player and we see the packers put more stock into him now he played 75 76 percent of his defensive snaps last night when if you look back a year ago according to pro football focus he was getting less than half of those snaps so someone Ryan they're putting in there more and they seem to trust more Blake Martinez seems like the guy now uh, for the Packers for the for the coming years who's who's only going to get better because we're only seeing an improvement from him yeah yeah I, I, I absolutely agree and last night I thought he looked really good and as well he had to be really good last night um, and, and, and he was and that's good and uh, yeah he wears the number 50 as did AJ Hawk calling them plays for many years so you know, if we can get a level of play like that, a level of consistency like that, then I'll be more than happy. Yeah, so, I mean, let's switch now to the offense because I know we've, we sort of want to discuss some stuff outside of this and including, we want to get into Donald Trump. Do you want to talk about the amazing running game we've got? Uh, no, hang on, that's, that was a bit negative on my part. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I tip-ex that out when I put run game. Uh, what I want to talk about <laughs> is is Aaron Rodgers and a stat that, that blew me away. This is his first overtime win. How in the name of Jesus yeah. is that happened? Yeah. So this one surprised me as well. And apparently before the, uh, before last night, he was 0-7 in overtime games. And then uh, somebody, and, and I'm, I really apologise if it was you that tweeted me because I've forgotten, I don't have my phone in front of me, um, who it was. But someone said to me, yeah, but in those 
seven losses he had in overtime, he barely had seven or eight passes. Like he had, he had very little influence on the game because of the old overtime rules. People would just go down the field, score. Yeah. And, you know, didn't get a chance. Obviously that's been changed now to at least guarantee a chance. If somebody goes down and scores a field goal only. So when you look at it that way, he had very little influence on any of those losses he had. So, yeah, it's it's a shocking stat. It certainly looked horrible on paper, but actually, yeah, according to some guys that informed me yesterday, when you actually look a little bit closer and do your research, um, then uh, yeah, it, it's it's you can see why. Yeah, he had six passes in seven overtime games in the past. Yeah, it's is unreal, it? isn't it? So, and, and then and people go, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' record, and you go, well, to, come on, to be fair now. Yeah. Yeah, so six passes, there you go. Six passes, and in four of the seven, he didn't even get on the field, so the defense had already lost yeah. it. So if you look at the likes of that Arizona uh, game where you know went down to Larry Fitzgerald, he got like 75, 76 yards, whatever it was, and then they mm-hmm. punched it into the end zone. I mean, you know, what do you, what do, you do in a case like that? Yeah, it's got to be up there with one of the best rule changes in the league ever mm. because um, it, was, it used to be ridiculous. You go to overtime, flip a coin, and if you got lucky with a coin flip, essentially you were almost guaranteed to just win overtime. Yeah. Um, I'd still like it if it went fully to you know both teams guaranteed a possession no matter what, which I think is how they do it in NCAA football, mm. um, where you know even if a team goes down, scores a touchdown on its possession, you have to at least have one possession to be able to answer that. Yeah. I still think that's the fairest way to do it. Yeah. Um, but certainly this way is a hell of a lot better than it, than it used to be yeah it's like sudden death penalties straight away uh, I don't think that'll bode too yeah, well that's the thing it used to be a sudden death penalty but you didn't actually get to take a penalty yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. sick of yeah. that mad isn't it so Aaron Rodgers completed 24-36 for 316 although I did see 313 yards flown around out there on the interweb uh, and his quarterback rating was 101.4 when he wasn't under pressure which I'm pretty sure was probably one snap of the whole game um, one really important thing that we saw and Rob Domofsky has a great article as well we love Rob's work and we're going to try to uh, coordinate with him get him on the podcast um, because me and you eat his stuff up like uh, alphabet soup yeah. so Aaron Rodgers first pick in nearly 8 years I think it's something like 7 years and 10 months so and it was funny as well Aaron Rodgers said after that oh what was his name and it was the Bengals was it a safety or cornerback uh, William Jackson um, and the last time he got intercepted and returned for a pick 6 was uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tanar Jackson so he was like that's it I'm done passing the Jacksons I can't deal with it so they're sort of Rob Domofsky was sort of extrapolating well if he does one every 7 or 8 years well then his next interception is probably going to be due in about 2025 so if anybody uh, with the second name Jackson and your kid's going to be going to college maybe trying to get into the program in about 7 years time it bodes well if A-Rod's still playing in seven years what age would he be then Ryan what is he now 33 or 35 he'll be knocking around 40 um, something like that so yeah you're in for a good one that stat is crazy though isn't it like his ball protection skills is mm-hmm. just ridiculous did I see a stat and I may have this wrong so uh, feel free to it'll be Scotty man there with his notepad I may have this one wrong but um, I'm pretty sure as well I saw that it was only his second pick six against him is oh, yeah. right? it's, it's, yeah. his only se- it's his second pick six in his ah, entire career there you go put that pen away Scott <laughs> And another important thing last night was it's the first time Aaron Rodgers has beaten the Bengals, which now gives him a victory over every other team. But I, I don't yeah. know if you saw. Like, Ryan. Do you know what I saw today? And I love Twitter for stuff like this. Somebody, somebody had tweeted, um, "That's it with that victory now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers beating every team in the NFL." Someone straight on their first comment: "No, it doesn't. He hasn't beaten the Packers." Yeah, I think we all knew what it meant. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. know? There's always one. Always one. And as well as that, we saw Aaron Rodgers uh, break John Elway's record of 300 touchdowns. So he threw his uh, 301st, 2nd and 3rd career touchdowns in the win against the Bengals. So the next closest to him now is going to be Ben Roethlisberger, who has 306. But then, look, he's going to be playing catch-up with Big Ben because, you know, Big Ben's going to be throwing some strikes this season as well. Uh, Ryan, making his way closer and closer to Canton, what else in this game did you like uh, what A-Rod was able to do? Uh, in terms of Canton, that one's a done deal. He's the best quarterback of all time. Um, and I know people are sat at home. Well, they're probably not because this is a Packers podcast. But if you are sat at home going, oh, yeah, but what about Brady? What about whoever? Yes, they have more rings. Rings are a team stat. He's the best quarterback of all time. Um, so he's going to Canton. That one's done. Uh, what impressed me is the fact that he did have that adversity. He had it He had it a lot last week. There was some, there was some questionable 
um, passes that he attempted on, on last week's game, particularly the interception. Uh, was it interception? Sorry, a fumble where he passed the ball uh, backwards yeah, and it, it was a fumble recovery. That's right. So there were some questionable things that happened. He then came in this week. Things weren't working out very well in the first half. And he, a, a lesser quarterback maybe would have crumbled at that point. But he kept believing. He kept working away. He kept. He just about kept it together. I think there was a there was a look over at his sideline. Was it? I'm sure someone did a lip reading of, yeah. we'll say, effing stupid call or something. Yeah, so yeah. there was a moment where it nearly went, but he pretty much he kept everything cool. He kept everyone around him cool and collected, and he led the team forward and he overcame all of that. And, and it obviously, in the end, gets on one of his one of his free plays again. Uh, which I, I was watching something earlier and there's a ridiculous amount of not only first downs he gets but a ridiculous amount of touchdowns he has now got on free plays 12 I think. Uh, yeah it's, it's a crazy amount um, and he does it again uh, just imagine being that aware of what's going on around you not only are you organising your own offence remembering what you've got to do on that play but you can count every member of that team and keep a track on where they are snap the ball early you know and, and do that time and time again um, so that's what I was most impressed with is the way that he overcome his own adversity a little bit last week and in the first part of this game, overcomes that and then leads his team forward. That is a, that's a true leader on the team and a, a true franchise quarterback. Yeah, like you said, his game is so expansive that he doesn't only just make the throws. They like The Packers wouldn't have won that game last night had he not caught the player offside with the hard count. And yeah. then he throws that strike then to Allison. So... To, to catch them offside, to be able to do that with the hard count, to see the player that's open, for that wide receiver to make himself open, uh, to do it in that high-pressure situation where if he makes the play, you know, we win the game. It's just all of that package put together is ridiculous. Like, the touchdown yeah. pass to Jordy Nelson where, like, Drake Kirkpatrick, like, he was in on that. Like, that was, that was fingertip stuff. To have a wide receiver in Jordy Nelson as well, who will because like we've we play flag every year at the Super Bowl and like it's I'm not even going to say that we're even 0.001% of the skill level of any of these players in the NFL but like there's been times where the ball was thrown into coverage and the player is ahead of me and my brain just says that's fine then just don't bother and you know to even to still have the faith that that ball is going to come through that coverage to you and you can still make the catch when you can't really see it that instinctive cat-like ability that Jordy Nelson has and that telepathy that he has with Aaron Rodgers is just ridiculous but 72 yard pass to Geronimo Allison which again Ryan is showing why the Packers in the past have let players go who've got into trouble Allison suspended for the first game of the season but like we're seeing how important Geronimo Allison is to this offense and Aaron Rodgers gave that answer when he was asked you know, I can't remember exactly what the question was word for word, but kind of, you know, was he surprised at how important Allison is to this offense? And Aaron Rodgers' response was no disrespect, but no. He's known that Allison has been a special player. But Ryan, I knew his measurables were good and I saw what he was able to do last season, but by all means, he was still sort of an, an unproven product. Like, are we seeing the emergence of Geronimo Allison? Yeah, without a doubt. I want to go back and correct something. You rightly got me there. So it was he drew somebody offside. I thought that was the play where he had 13, uh, 12 men on the field. So mm. just wanted to clear that up. If I recognise my own mistake, you can't call me out on it, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, in terms of the emergence of Allison, I believe really he's already emerged. People have already seen this. Yes, last night he, he led the receptions. Um, sorry, didn't lead the reception, led, led the receiving yards, sorry. But um, we kind of seen this coming. It, it, it was coming. Um, and I think now with Cobb's obviously been a bit banged up, Jordy Nelson came into this one a bit banged up, but, you know, obviously does Jordy Nelson things, still gets two touchdowns. Um, you're going to need somebody to come in and do that. And I saw um, some tweets today saying about, you know, Jordy's got a couple of years left in him. Maybe, maybe Geronimo Allison is the guy that can replace Jordy Nelson. Um, and, and maybe he is, and he certainly looks tipped to do that. He's an exciting player, and I think he's he just seems, when you're watching TV, he just seems big, doesn't he? I, I, I've obviously not been, you know, he unfortunately for me and you, we, he wasn't one of the players we got to meet at Lambeau Field. But I just imagine if you stood next to him, he'd almost feel like a tight end. He looks huge. 
Uh, and of course, with that, he's got great speed and great hands, and, and he's just—he's the kind of guy you want on the field. I just—I look at the dilemma that the Packers must have because Geronimo Allison played last season because of the injury. So you put him in there, and he's not squeezing anybody out of the team. It's that we don't have anybody, so that's why he's in there. And this season, then you know, Cobb is out, so and Jordy, as you said, is a bit banged up. So you know, he's in there to stretch the field. But, like, where does he fit in with a healthy wide receiver room? So, you know, you've Jordy, you've got Devontae's earned these stripes, you've got Cobb in the slot, you've got the tight ends roaming around. I mean, are we talking, you know, four wide receiver sets here? You know, well, and do we look, do that now, Ryan, because the tight end yeah. position isn't working like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's working the way the, the coaches want, but it's not working the way the fans thought, right? Because yeah, Ben's not I- making that impact. Absolutely. But I think uh, you made the point earlier where you said, you know, if, if the attention's on Bennett and then you said about the two tight end sets and the other guy's getting it, then it kind of, I guess, is working in that sense. It's just disappointing when he drops it and he comes out of the game with three receptions for 12 yards. Mm. But I think in terms of the receivers, you know, would it matter going four and five wide? Look, everybody knows we can't run the ball. And there's people out there saying, you know, Ty, Go- Ty Montgomery isn't a running back. They were all excited for him last year when uh, apparently he was a running back and now he isn't a running back. It's got nothing to do with who's back there. When Jamal Williams has got in, he's hardly fared any better. Um, and I, I keep saying, you know, you could put Walter Payton in his prime, uh, Adrian Peterson in his prime, Barry Sanders in his prime in this team, and it'd still only get 30 yards in a game. We, The Packers are just obviously not set up to run. They're not built to run. Uh, so just put more and more receivers in there. And let's, let, everyone knows we're not going to run the ball. Let's just throw it around a bit. Um but in terms of where does he fit in the in the receiving course? So I had in one of my fantasy leagues today, somebody tried to take a couple of my players and offer me Geronimo Allison on the back of this one game. Um, and they're trying to say to me that he was a starter. I said, you do realise I'm a Green Bay fan. They said, well, yeah, but he will be a starter. That's, yeah, it's not really how it works. So I was trying to work out, essentially, I guess he's fourth on the depth chart right now. So he'll be behind Nelson, then Adams, then Cobb, and then it'll be Allison, right? But obviously, with the injuries, he could end up obviously being he could be a starter through through injury or, or other players being banged up. So certainly, his his uh, I can't think what they call it right now, but it's pointing upwards. Whatever it is they call it, it's pointing upwards. Yeah, trending upwards. Trending. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you. And I agree with the run game uh, because look, we have Aaron Rodgers running around to you know trying to save his own skin. He was sacked six times last night, and in his career. He's zero for six in games where he's sacked six times or more. So, you know, the odds were against us in that game. And certainly you can't get a run game going if, you know, you're getting tackled for a loss in the backfield. But, Ryan, I guess what we should do here is, and again, maybe this is a mistake, but let's hit up Clown of the Week and then finish on a topic that seems quite controversial. I I was thinking about that, you know, we go into the whole Trump controversy, taking a knee stuff. But look, let, let's break it up. Let's go into Clown of the Week. Let's talk about that. And then we'll come back and we'll finish with the Trump comments because I think this one's going to be controversial. Clown of the Week. So Clown of the Week, I mean... We said this before, right, that we could have just the Bears could just be there at Clown of the Week the whole time. But this one is, do you know what? It's not that bad for the Bears because they ended up winning the game. They ended up beating the Steelers. But do you, do you want to kick this off? Did you see this play, the the whole one yard out fumble malarkey? Yeah, and I couldn't really understand why it happened. I had to watch it a few times. I was on the train on the way back from London and uh, my game pass was working. Um, so I was watching it on the train. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't really understand what was going on because normally you do that if you want to kind of, I don't know, not kill out the game or something. Mm. You know, I've seen people do it before where they stop on the one yard line rather than running the touchdown. But it was right before the half. I didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah. So block field goal for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, Sherrick McManus block field goal. Uh, Marcus Cooper picks up the ball and does he doesn't have to beat anybody and he legs it up the field and he's a couple of yards away from the end zone. He stops he stops running for some reason and Vance McDonald comes up then and slaps the ball out he fumbles the ball into the end zone and it's a penalty and then all the Steelers have to come back out of the locker room to make the play and then uh, one of the lads is whistled for a, a false start 
and the Bears end up kicking a field goal. So yeah, they still got points from it, uh, but they dropped four because they got three. And one of the, I was reading, God forbid, a Chicago Tribune, or it was one of these articles about the story, and they compared it to a guy called Leon Lett. Now, Ryan, I didn't know about this guy. Did, did, have you ever heard of Leon Lett? I feel like, I'm going to say no. I feel like I recognise the name. Well, everyone will know him after this because his name has come up again. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, you do something embarrassing in the past and everyone forgets about it. Then someone does something similar and all of a sudden your name comes back up again. So it's the same with Leon Lett. So they're comparing it to him. A Dallas Cowboys player and he made two really famous gaffes back in the day. One of them was... Um, it was Did he run the wrong way up the field? No, it was... It was That's not him. It was equally as bad um, where... Again, the field goal rules were different. So they were playing against the Dolphins uh, on Thanksgiving. And what had happened was is that the Dolphins had to kick the field goal. If they blocked the field goal, which again, to everybody, is very unlikely. Like, that rarely ever happens. And it was from a short distance. And all they had to do was block it. And all they had to do, it's a massive task, uh, Dallas had to do. And if they blocked it, well, then they'd win the game and all the rest. So... Your man kicks it and they block the field goal and the ball spinning around and around. And all the Dolphins players are looking at this ball and sort of oh, maybe yeah, willing yeah. it to say like, Jesus, why did that happen? All Dallas had to uh-huh. do was just not touch it. Then all of a sudden, who dives in? Leon Lett hits the ball, fumbles <laughs> it into the end zone and then the Dolphins dive on it. And then that means that they get another goal from the one yard line from where he hit it from. They kick the field goal, win the game. Dallas are heartbroken. Leon Lett's in the locker room and he's almost crying, thinks he's going to get cut. Uh, Jimmy Johnson comes down and says, you'll always be a Dallas Cowboy. We're not going to cut you for it, right? The funniest part of it was the Super Bowl the year previous, uh, another Leon Lett, you know, gaff was that he did the exact same um, as what Marcus Cooper did. He scooped up the ball, uh, I think from a fumble or whatever it was, interception, legs it up the end, puts the ball out as if he's going to stretch it over uh, into the, the touchdown area, around, as you like to say, the end zone. And this guy comes up and slaps the ball out and the ball fumbles out into the end zone. Um, I said that once. Yeah, I know. It's still funny. And um, So that's a, a Leon-led Ryan Peacock-style gaff. So he slaps the ball out and it fumbles, <laughs> right? Now, the Dallas Cowboys still win the game, but the best part of the story that I heard was is he does that in the Super Bowl. Next year, he does this against the Dolphins in this game. So he's at a high school and some young kid says to him, and Leon Lett was talking about the play and how it was important, like he shouldn't have tapped the ball and that the Dolphins ended up winning the game. Some girl goes, oh, Leon, uh, don't, don't be too uh, bet up about it. Uh, in the Super Bowl last year, some guy went and got the ball slapped from his hand as he was just about to make it in for into the end zone. And he had to say to her, yeah, that was me as well. So it's just kind of this, <laughs> like talk about adding salt to wounds. Dear Jesus, clown of the week, absolute clown of the week. However, yeah, we want to mix it up this week, don't we? Along with clown of the week, we're gonna. I haven't made a jingle for it because it's 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 just exceptional circumstances. We have a star of the week this week, and it's not a Packers player. Star of the week. Star of, star of the week. Who are we giving this one the, to? It's got to be Tony Romo. Damn right. I have never heard such beauty in my ears, mm. especially after <laughs> years of the plums we've had commentating on games at Lambeau Field. I want Romo doing the rest of our games for the rest of the season. He's exciting to listen to. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm sure most of you out there have heard games, whether it be when he was doing it or, or you know, watching old games since. But John Madden was exciting to listen to when he called football games. And I'm going to say it because I love an overreaction. Tony Romo is going in that same direction. He, I think he's fantastic. He is, yeah. The way he calls the game is different. His knowledge of the game, like someone, um, unbelievable. Oh, like yeah. someone spliced that. Now again, I know people out there are probably going to be saying to us like, "Oh yeah, lads, like he was the clutch quarterback." That's obvious, but it's it's not directly transferable. And again, the odds were stacked against him. The fact that he was put in there, uh, and again, I've already forgot the name of the guy. Jesus, it's not coming to me now. Who got sacked for him to be put in there? And everyone's like. Like, he did to that broadcaster what Dak Prescott did to him. He got replaced by a rookie. So, like, here's Tony Romo being put in as a rookie commentator on live television, which will give you the heebie-jeebies anyway. So he's coming in and having to do the job. And it's, look, broadcasting, podcasting, all of this stuff, live radio, uh, game shows. Like, like everyone sat there. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary, but it's one of those things that if you're not actually doing it, everyone sitting at home goes, well, that's a junk of job. I'd love to... 
I could do that. You know, people who are on game shows, they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, I know the answer to that. But when you're put under that spotlight, it's an awful lot different. So here was Tony Romo cast into the biggest stage ever. But right, his insights, and someone spliced together all of these excerpts of where he's called the play correctly. He reminds me, and I must do up a meme, uh, of that guy from Game of Thrones, the three-eyed raven dude, that sort of useless character who goes, you know, he doesn't really have a, a, a big part, but he can see into the future and see what's happening now and all this type of larger, see into the past, whatever he does. Um, like I'm going to definitely sort of put Tony Romo's face onto that guy because like there were so many plays where it's like oh wait there's this the covers he's playing he's playing uh, you know two man cover deep who's going to run off to the left and then you can see him just do exactly what Tony, Ro- Tony Romo says he's going to do now, that part of it is great and it shows how much knowledge he has but I don't particularly want anybody to tell me what's going to happen before it happens like don't ruin the end them bro <laughs> I know what you're saying but he does make it uh, he, he just I don't know what it is. It's it's an unbelievable knowledge. Mm. You're right, and but it's just the way in which he doesn't sound like your every other commentator voice. No. You know, it doesn't. It, there's just something that's out of the box about it. And I love the way as well that he just keeps talking, keeps talking, keeps talking. Talks about the players as well, like he knows every single one of them. That's what that's yeah. what I like as well. The way in which he talks about it, he still talks as if that is. You know, a player now still sitting up, a player sitting up in the commentating box. Yeah. You know, um, and it's just really, really entertaining and refreshing, and a, and a new approach to doing things. And like I said, I do think he could. People are going to fall in love with this guy in the commentating booth, just like they did with John Madden and Al Michaels to to, to that to yeah. to that effect. Yeah, I like him, and I like that. I like a good success story. And I know that an awful lot of people out there like seeing this type of stuff happen and go into car crash TV and get a kick from that. I hate it. I like the English version of The Office, but at the same time, it used to drive me crazy because it's that cringeworthiness of like, oh my God, I can't, I can't like I can barely watch. And that's what some people love that stuff. They watch the Grand Prix to see crashes, all those sick of, you know, like, and I like seeing someone do well and not have that car crash. But speaking of like absolute car crashes, Let's get on to these. Uh, let's get on to these Donald Trump comments, Ryan. Um, you know this whole taking anything was controversial enough as it was, and now Donald Trump has come out at some talk and went off piece and decided to yeah. say that these players who were taking a knee caused them son of a bitches, and that they should be fired immediately. It's kind of showing the ignorance to how the NFL actually works. First off, about what you can do about firing players. Um, is this is this much? There's this hullabaloo for nothing, Ryan, because, I mean, all the players are united against him. Should Mark Murphy have come out and made a statement on this? Where do you stand on the whole thing to begin with? I think, I mean, I think I've made it pretty clear where I stand on it. And and some people have disagreed with me. And you know what, that's fine because everyone can have their opinion. I'm not saying that somebody else's opinion is wrong on this one. But for me personally... People are quite often when when protests happen. Sometimes they go bad, okay, and and sometimes there's a there can be violence involved in that protest. Sometimes there can be uh, certainly damage or intimidation involved in those protests. And people always say, why can't they find a peaceful way to protest? Why can't they do this more constructively? Well, they did, and then people don't like the way they did it. Now, I get it. The the as we I've said in previous weeks, the whole flag. A national anthem thing is, I would say, a bigger deal in America than probably many, many countries in the world. And, and so I, I get that. Um, I get there's a there is a sort of connotation uh, sort of between the flag, the anthem and the military. Um, and I don't think anybody's trying to disrespect any of those things. But it's more about how can I make a protest where it is a peaceful protest? And it, it create discussion on something that's a very real topic. And, and quite frankly, the media are to blame on this 100% because if they did it in a way where they simply asked to be in front of a camera to speak their minds, nobody would be interested because it wouldn't be controversial. However, so they, they have to do something that will attract the interest of the media. So then it attracts the interest of the media and then the media turn around and they then sort of, they, they make it like this this huge issue uh, and that they start trying to attack people for doing it and all the rest but it's it's just such a, a hypocritical way of doing things but it just seems that every every everything that's happened so far is just not everybody's trying to 
it's hard for me to put it into words, but everyone's sort of trying to attack somebody for it. And actually what we need to get back to is what is the original issue that, that, that was being protested about in the original statement made. Fast forward that to Donald Trump, uh, oh, sorry, President Trump, um, you know, speaking his mind before he engages his brain. Um, you know, just, just coming out with the comments he come out with, what did he think that was going to achieve? Did he think he would stand up there and go, I'm the president, and I said that we should sack people and we should do this and I'm going to call him a son of a bitch and then this will, this will make people snap back into line and do as I tell them? No, that was never going to happen, was it? You've just now united everybody and you're going to see more and more protests over the rest of the season. The owners came out. The owners came out and they made statements, including Mark Murphy, and they came out with statements of support. And then the media straight away asked, what about the owners? What about the owners that, that pledged money to Trump and his campaign? Well, Shahid Khan came out and he supported his players. He was one that gave a million dollars to the, the Trump campaign. He came out and he linked arms on the field at Wembley the other day with his players. So they're very, very sort of strong retaliation to his remarks. And that was only ever going to add fuel to the fire on this one. Um, whether you think players should be kneeling or standing during the anthem, I think the bigger issue here right now is that I saw a tweet today that said that President Trump has tweeted from either of his accounts 17 tweets in the past week about sports players, the NFL, the NBA, and whoever else he's, he's attacked in sports. And he's actually only tweeted, I think it was zero times in the past week about Puerto Rico, which is Americans right now in Puerto Rico have had their lives absolutely destroyed. And he seems to have forgotten about something that's a very real problem. And instead he's attacking people like these NFL players who are taking a knee and a great many of them are doing a lot in their local communities or fundraising or whatever and actually trying to help people. And a lot of them have also got involved in certain things to get money down to those islands that have been affected by that. He himself not doing a great deal and instead is attacking the players that are doing that for him. Yeah, like I, I don't think I've hidden how I feel about the whole Donald Trump saga. Um, and we have been advised by people on email and tweets and Facebooks and all the rest of saying you know you're entitled to your opinion but i would bear in mind that wisconsin voted for trump you know or not overwhelmingly but you know that that's how it fell like i'm conscious of that but at the same time i'm not going to pretend that i agree um with things because the vast majority of a state you know went with that guy so his comments this is coming from a guy who stated that obama founded isis and everyone at the rally started cheering and then he was asked to, he was given the opportunity to backtrack off that just lunatic statement to say, oh, I see what you meant. You meant that, you know, he fueled the foreign policies that would have created and, you know, sparked the, the flame under this organization that became ISIS. He said, no, no, what I actually meant was is that he literally founded ISIS himself. And they're like, no, not literally, though. And he said, yeah, he literally did it. And then he came out at another rally after that and said, oh, they tried to say that I said he literally founded ISIS. Like, no, that's not what I said. And then later in that same rally, he goes, so he did. He literally founded ISIS. And then he was asked, why did you keep saying that? And he goes, oh, because I said it and the crowd started cheering. So I just said it again and they were loving it. You know, and that's coming from a guy. And it's where people are bringing the race thing into it is. This is a movement to try get equality and you know, a better spotlight on how black people are treated in America by law enforcement um, and in the wider society. And when he starts calling these players sons of bitches, he's calling out one very distinct demographic and that's why people are saying that it's a racist connotation to it. I wouldn't give him enough credit to look into something and say something that's racist. I don't think he thinks at all and he just fires his mouth off and gets a few cheers. Um, so again you know you wouldn't overanalyze so if someone attacks you in a car parking lot you know you can overanalyze that and feel unsafe about going out in future and wondering if it's going to happen again and what the person's motive was if a dog attacked you in a parking lot you think a oh, stupid dog and you probably wouldn't think twice about going out into a parking lot again you know because one's rational and, and one isn't and he falls into that kind of irrational thought now the protest itself uh ryan I think people over here, including myself, we can't appreciate just how much of a, a sticky wicket this whole thing is. They sing the national anthem in school. 
the anthem is very important they have american flags flying on our way up from chicago to wisconsin they have the biggest american flag flying in america um apparently according to the big sign that's beside the big giant flag on the way up and that's the biggest symbol of freedom in the united states is what they call it this huge massive that word flag. freedom yeah and yeah so the, like you know the, the flag is massive importance over there they drape the flag over the coffins of the soldiers that come back that get killed abroad now what you want to think about you know their foreign policies or whatever you know that's that's for a political podcast not for this one so i'm just saying like that 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 sort of scope that they look through to how important the flag in the military is is one thing but then you have some people coming out on twitter and one guy says i've been a general and whatever for 20 years and i don't feel that that's a disrespect to me and the duty that i do i appreciate where they're coming from then i saw another tweet from uh, one of our followers who said i think this is disgusting for the nfl and for the packers to endorse this uh type of behavior is that the flag is sacred and you, you shouldn't be doing it this is not how to go about it so people are still divided but i don't think any one group of people you know whether they're you know army people or non-army people or police officers who this woman says she was and that she didn't agree with it because that's not what she stands for I don't think that you can speak for your entire group, you know, because I've had Irish comedians who've come out and said, oh, all Irish people are a bunch of drunks and blah, 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 blah. And I go, no, I I don't subscribe to that. You can't speak for me just because you're Irish and that's how I'm supposed to feel because we can all get segmented into this one thing. I just don't think we understand the importance of, you know, the American flag and the association of that with freedom. And this is in a place where America is being attacked by extremists. You know, I mean, all of the stuff that's happened in the past and the amount of lives that have been lost and how they see their freedom and how they see themselves under attack that can't be diminished either but on the on the flip side you know i mean is this protest it's bringing a spotlight onto the issue but is it actually going to solve the issue or as part of solving it is just getting the awareness out there in the first place do you know what should have happened when it first happened and kaepernick took that stand and a few other players joined him as a true leader what should have happened is he should have been invited to the White House to talk about it, to go through it and see what can be done as a country, as an American people, to try and stamp out a, a huge injustice in America. That's what should have happened. And that would have been the way to lead that and take control of that situation. But instead, um, he's now made, he's basically backed everybody into a corner to the point now where teams are even staying in the locker room and not running out onto the field until after the anthem is played. You know, and then, Again, on the other side of that, I felt sorry. If you look at Pittsburgh Steelers, there was one player, Villanova, who came out, who I think was in the Navy. He came out on his own. Now, that guy, you know, teams made a decision to do something, but that guy's felt that he's... So all you've done now is start dividing people again. And I think, you know, again, I don't want to try and pass too much comment on what's going on in America, but there would have been a way to own that situation and it would have been to invite those people... Kaepernick and, and the other players into the White House in the early days and see what could have been done together to try and fix that problem. And instead, the way it's been dealt with has now created more uh, diver- diversion than, than probably ever ever before. Yeah, like it, the, the, the point really is, is how do we move past this now? How do we move past kneeling down an anthem? I don't know. An I don't see where it stops. Yeah, um, but look... We see where everyone's coming from and whether you think it's right or not. Because Mark Murphy came out and said that, that you know, it's unfortunate that Donald Trump came out and said all of these things, especially with that platform that he has. And that he says, like what you're saying, that with the amount that the players do in the communities and the type of... Like, because they're, they're not doing this... They're doing this for to make a change, you know, to, to make people's lives better. And he says that, you know, as Americans, that they're allowed to have free speech and that they can speak openly and freely. Ted Thompson came out and they asked him in August at training camp, you know, what do you think? And he said, look, it's a free country, in my opinion, and uh, free people can do what they like. So he says, yeah, they can do what they want. Mike McCarthy had a different tack and they asked him in August, you know, what do you think about it? And he said sort of in a very guarded way that he always gives them and he says he did this before these protests were even thought of is that he gives them all the history of why the anthem is played how important it is where it started and how important it is to him personally so if you read between the lines he's kind of saying you know don't mess with what's sacred here and then aaron Rodgers was asked uh, by mina kimes on espn what do you think about it and he says that he feels a certain way about it so he's going to stand for it 
but he said that he will support his teammates or fellow players who are choosing not to stand so again he's given them the right to to speak freely um but something that Jermichael Finley got in trouble with was is to say that look you're an NFL player you're a sports person why are you making political stands you know just do just do what you're being paid to do is just go and do sports and he got lambasted for it so look I think everyone has a right to their opinion I think some people see this as a bigger deal than it actually is uh, some people see this as the biggest deal because of just how important all of that stuff is over there Ryan but like what I think we've sort of said look it's time maybe is it time I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. I'm very scared. You know, is it time that we just move past all this kneeling and linking arms and staying in locker rooms and one person coming out and one person saying it's important one person saying it isn't? And look, what are we going to do to change all this? And as a Paddy and as a Tommy across the ocean, I don't think we're going to have much of a say. And I don't see, don't know what the answer is. So it's certainly going to be interesting to watch how it develops over the next few weeks. Yeah, well, one thing's for sure, Trump has united the nation, not behind them, but against them. And maybe that's positive. He's had a positive influence by being infamous. Um, Rhino, Super Bowl meetup. We announced that the tickets have flew off the shelves if they were on these sort of, you know, imaginary shelves. Uh, We've pretty much sold 80% of the tickets, so they're going fast. Honestly, if you want a ticket, again, we say it's not a marketing ploy. These things are popular. And this is good value, Ryan. Yeah, well, well, certainly we believe so. And uh, we started compiling the ticket list today. We've already sold 36 out of the possible 50 we had. So we need you to get in there and get them bought up if you're planning on coming. Um, myself and Steve will obviously be working behind the scenes to see you know, if the demand does keep going up and up to see what we can do to uh, either extend that capacity or, or move to a bigger room within the event. So um, we didn't know if that was going to be something we had to do, but I think probably looking on the initial uptake, it will be. But I would just say, if you're planning on going, get the tickets bought. Um, payday's coming up, get it done. Uh, you certainly won't regret it. Yeah, and a newsletter hasn't been sent out yet, but a reminder to, the, you know, so the only people that have heard about it is if you've caught the tweet, if you've caught the Facebook post, uh, and if you've went and caught this podcast and the podcast prior. So the newsletter is going to be sent out this week. So if you're looking to go, I jump on it before that goes out because you know we're 100 percent certain that it'll all sell out completely once that newsletter goes out and hits the wider fan base Um, we've got you know a good number a lot of people on that newsletter uh, and a big uptake on it so other meets that we have throughout the year is that we have the dublin meetup which is in november november 19th and um, so if you're coming over a flag game in phoenix park then onto the wool shed uh, we're selling tickets for that just so that we can give the venue how many people are going to be there so that they can set up the screen and the amount of seats that we need best seats in the house best screen in the house uh, so for £6 you get you hang out with us go to the flag game get all the flag stuff prepared and also two pints of Dublin Blue uh, those pints range the two of them range over £6 we're subsidising this event just so that we can have numbers so that's great value before we even hit Dublin we're going to go to Manchester and Ryan this again like we've said it before this is our biggest meet so far yeah, so I think on the last count of 63 tickets sold, we were hoping to get at least 30 or so for our first Northern meet, and we've sold 63. Mm. Um, there are still tickets available, um, so get on there. I think all the early bird tickets are gone, but I think it's still available now for £10, and with that you get um, you get some food and you get, a, you get a free drink, so you pretty much get your money back. Yeah. And uh, we're doing that in association with Grid Association, sound like Sean Connery, uh, with Gridiron and Gravy. And from what we've been hearing, and we've been speaking to him as well, because we, we never sort of promote it and that we don't stand behind. Uh, great guy. So get on that. Get on the meetups. And I think that's it for this week, Rhino. Not unless you have AOB. Well, it's going to be a short week, isn't it? So we're going to be coming to you on Thursday. Mm. And we're going to be playing Thursday night. So it's going to be a bit of a, a short week. Um, and then, of course, we're going to go through that whole thing of Sunday without any Packers football, which is always odd. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get that podcast out to you then on Sunday as sort of a post review. So we're going to try bring something to you before the Bears game, do a bit of a preview on that. It's been a pleasure, if not slightly controversial. We've had Clowns of the Week, Star of the Week, and uh, again, Clown of the Week again with Donald Trump, in my opinion. So from myself, at NFL on Twitter, give me a follow, follow the group, at UK Packers, and of course, follow me old buddy, me old pal, at Ryan Peacock NFL. It's goodbye till a couple of hours, maybe, when we're talking about the Bears. Yep, nice. Nice.